politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots standing at the ready to flatten the curve of tyranny, biomedical fascism, censorship, and all-around evil. This is your host back in the house today. It is Wednesday, and it is the two-year anniversary of 15 days to flatten the curve, to flatten our civilization where you could not even quantify the degree of physical, emotional, mental damage to a generation of human beings, that they created a virus, that they blocked the treatment for it, that they foisted upon us masks and lockdowns that destroyed lives, destroyed businesses, destroyed school children, all the mental health, the emotional health problems. And then finally a bioweapon clot shot that to this day is continuing to cause an unimaginable amount of damage to millions upon millions of people. And yet two years into this, we are no closer to even finding out what catalyzed this event, where this virus was created, who and how this response was conceived. We have a broad idea But none of our politicians give a darn about it. All they care about is the next COVID. Zelensky, that miserable human being in his speech to Congress, he has access to them, but you and I do not. This is where we have to think of C.S. Lewis, of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims. Maybe the most oppressive, it would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some time be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. We're used to thinking, folks, that the bad guys are in Iran, North Korea, Hamas, Al-Qaeda, China, and they certainly are bad. But what about our own government? What about the Western governments? That's where it's at. The people who can't properly understand COVID to this day can't properly understand Ukraine. They don't understand that we're not living in the 1980s anymore. Our government is just as evil as those other governments. And until we rectify that, nothing else matters. It is truly shocking that nobody even wants to mark this day. It's truly shocking how people who call themselves conservatives have bought into this hook, line, and sinker. But folks, Ukraine ties into this a lot more. You know, right after 9-11, we were attacked through airplanes. So they went and did air, airport security. Now, I, we don't agree with the way they did it, but it makes sense that you attempted to address, plug that hole that let in this problem. Here we now know at a minimum This was released through a gain-of-function lab funded and directed by Americans, American NGOs, NIH, DOD. And we know that there are dozens of other labs in the world, at least 11 of them, in Ukraine. And we know now that they're very scared about it. How come there is no effort to audit, identify, and shut down this gain-of-function research 
in other places so we don't have millions of other people killed by another path- pathogen. Putting Putin aside. So we're going to have a special guest, a Bulgarian journalist on, who's actually been studying this for several years, long before it became an issue. What is going on with those Ukrainian labs? How do we make sure this never happens again? Suddenly we don't have any interest in that? So coming up later today, now with everything going on crazy, we need to be in survival mode. The survivalists really were ahead of their time. One thing I love is camping and survival gear. It is, I mean, this is like an adult's toy box. Battle box. They have a monthly subscription for hand-picked outdoor survival and everyday camping uh, carry gear. They have name-brand, high-quality products. Again, every month they send to you for half the price of what they typically cost on their own, from Aquapod emergency water kits to atomic beer survival bivvies. I love their outdoor cooking stoves, and their the flashlight is amazing. Um, really cool stuff. Check out at, uh, um, if you want to check out our URL for the subscription, it's trybattlebox.com slash conservative. From now until March 31st, so very limited time, get a free mystery box worth 115 bucks with any new subscription. This is a, the adult toy box, I'm telling you. Free mystery box, 115 bucks right right now. Trybattlebox.com slash conservative. It's try, T-R-Y, battlebox.com slash conservative. Folks, I spoke last night for a long time to Ralph Larigo. He's the big ivermectin lawyer. That's not what he did for a living. And, you know, he was just recounting all of the cases he dealt with, a lot of cases he didn't have time to take on. What was going on in the hospital, denying patients the right to try as they killed them with remdesivir. They restrained people. They medically kidnapped people. They blocked families from coming in. They prematurely ventilated people. And they did this for two years. They're doing it to this very day. It's still going on. COVID's still going on, by the way. Okay, this is not a natural virus. Still going on. And I was listening to him talk, and I'm thinking, you know, until now we always thought, yeah, You know, our government's licentious, they're profligate, they're corrupt, pay for play, they don't share our values anymore. But it's not like, you know, it's not like in the East where you'll have ISIS put someone in a cage and set them on fire. It's not true anymore. At some point, we cross that Rubicon. At some point, when they're into trannyism and abortion and stealing from us, at some point... They are just as bad as the other guys. They are no longer us. They don't represent us at all. You you look at these Republicans and you watch the testosterone levels skyrocket with Zelensky. But nothing for us. We had a border rancher on this week talking about what they have to live through on our own soil. They don't care. This is all they care about. And it's all contrived. This media censorship program, it's kicked into high gear. This was the catalyzing event. Then we had BLM, we had January 6th, now Ukraine. It will never end. You're never going to jump off this train. So, you know, I thought originally we'd come to this anniversary talking about 
and lamenting how we haven't rectified the situation so this can never happen again. But we're not, we don't even have the luxury of, of having that discussion because it's not over. COVID's not over. COVID fascism is not over. And the next COVID's not over, both metaphorically in Ukraine, but also literally with the biolabs. You know, it's so out in the open now that young people are dropping dead from blood clots. I kid, I kid you not, People Magazine now has an article out saying that blood clots are happening in younger and younger people because of unhealthy lifestyles, along with other factors like genetics. I don't have time today to get into this, but Canada had this program to monitor and surveil social media and combat misinformation. It's been going on for four years. It started in 2018, and they're now using it for Ukraine. It's a Toronto Star article. I want to get to maybe a little bit more tomorrow when I discuss this pandemic treaty that they're working on. But they've been doing this for a long time. This is the democide. The genocide committed by our own government against our own people. Literally genocide. And yet, we don't have any men on the field. Which is why I'm demanding that we recruit candidates to run as independents. I am now fully of the belief that depending on the person and the body and the outcome, the body of government, it ranges from zero difference if Republicans are in charge to downright being worse off because when Klaus Schwab and the whole cabal induce the next big hotness, Republicans will be even more alacritous to join when they're in power because they don't want to lose the power and they perceive that this is where it's at. And frankly, even when they're in the minority, you watch the Republicans now, their criticism is that we're not doing enough to goad our GIs into war. To goad our GIs into war. And to fund this. Which will do nothing but get more Ukrainians killed, by the way. It's unbelievable. And by the way, speaking of the fact that the pandemic's not over, you got to boost your immune system, whether you're worried about COVID, whether you got the shots and you want to and your 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 T cells are reduced as a result of it order yourself some Z stack at zstacklife.com/daniel and promo code daniel for a small discount on your first order it's formulated by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko the pioneering uh, renowned world renowned doctor um who treated covid early it includes zinc kirsten vitamin c vitamin d at the right doses all in one I take mine every day. Now more than ever, you have to take control of your health and your family's health. Go to zstacklife.com slash Daniel, promo code Daniel on your first order. Folks, then there's the other issue we talked about this week with the federal case in Florida with the Navy SEALs. The very same Republicans that are goading our soldiers into war don't give a darn that a genocide, a bioterror attack was committed against our soldiers. And to this day, they're getting kicked out of the military for not getting a shot that they know is a problem. I'm sitting now on a four-page document that was submitted by the military to the Florida court, Judge Mary Day, and it has no letterhead, no, no military doctor, no military official signing it. It's just a random 
Word doc that says, oh, yeah, we caught a glitch. And the way they explain it, there's a little bit more information, but it raises even more questions. They explain how the glitch in the DMED data was only during the time that Teresa Long, the military flight surgeon that blew the whistle on this, only during the duration that she was looking at it and only for the categories of medical diagnoses that she was pulling. I mean, they literally say this. It is unbelievable. It's, it's, this is the biggest scandal in the world. They unleashed a bioweapon on our military. So many have died and have gotten injured and cancers and heart disease and blood clots, pulmonary embolisms, strokes, you name it. And then so many just debilitated with migraines, t- tinnitus, neurological issues, cardio inflammation. That, that, that's, that's our military now. Young people. They denied treatment, they're blocking diagnostics, and they sabotage their entire health surveillance system in a way that is transparently false. 50 different ways of proving it. And not a single Republican is joining the Ron Johnson letter to find out, and they just want to send their soldiers into war. Again, it's emblematic of what's going on in, in, with Russia and, and Ukraine. Heck, at least the Chinese weren't stupid enough to give Pfizer to their military. Say say whatever you want about them. They're not going to poison their military. They're not that stupid. They'll poison other people, not their military. How do we ever prosecute a war and forge foreign policy when our own Pentagon is evil? Evil. There's no way around that. People, People don't realize how far this military mandate, to this day, the emergency is over. The shots are negative effective. We know they cause this much, so much, that they're already talking about blood clots with younger people because of lifestyle changes. Yet, we have soldiers, and I had a special operator, retired special operator, um, email me yesterday with a very important point that I didn't think about. What happens to these operators? They maybe work 20 years, they get middle-aged, and then they usually leave, but they're not done. A lot of the vital work done on the foreign policy, intel, and even soft military power level is actually done by retired special operators. They do a lot, a lot of contract work for the government. He emails me, please remember that there are many of us who have moved on from the military to serve the government in similar ways. In some cases, our specific affiliation with the U.S. government is classified. Because of this, when the government dictates shot mandates to us, we have nowhere to go. If we bring a suit in court, the government will deny all knowledge of any such affiliation and refuse to participate, further claiming classified material exemption. There are some in the legislature who are supposed to be able to go to, we're supposed to be able to go to, but when contacted, they express no interest in standing against such things. This is probably because they believe in the benevolence of the holy vaccine, but also because they're afraid to stand against the very entities they're supposed to oversee because those entities have no problem playing dirty. I just lost my job in a field that I spent a decade for not taking the vaccine and every other job in this field now requires submission to the great mandate. I bow the, the knee to no earthly power and there's only one God in heaven that I bow to. Please don't let the American people forget us in the hands of such an evil empire as our government has currently become. Not just those serving in the military, but those who serve in other ways that we will never know. 
And his point is, it's classified. So you can't even take it to court to get an injunction for those people. So many countless people right now, it's not even in the past. It's not even going over and quantifying two years worth of damage as if we're out of it and just trying to game out how this can't happen again. It's still going on to this day. There's still people dying of COVID every day for denial of treatment. Lack of oversight as to where this virus came from to make sure it doesn't come again. To this day, people denied treatment, denied diagnoses for the vaccine. To this day, it's still being shoved on so many swaths of the American people and usually really the most important jobs, military and healthcare, and the most sensitive government jobs. And they'll force them to get boosters. Pfizer is going for just submitted authorization for number four. It, it goes on and on. We, d- Despite everything we know, there's no amount of information we could produce that will get the Republican Party to even come our way. You know, we start off the year saying Republicans are always a day late, a dollar short. They're not even late and short. They haven't even joined us at all. They're still on board with it. They haven't even fought the mask mandate. Yeah, I know the Senate voted voted it down, but they know they know that Pelosi's not going to take it up in the House. So they allowed the whatever eight or so Democrats that are up for re-election to get a free vote. The omnibus bill is where where they had the leverage to do it, and they refused to the air the airport mandate, the mass mandate. British Airways got rid of it. The British are ahead of us. It is totally disgusting. Totally out of control. Where do we turn? This Ukraine thing is crushing me. You watch these guys. They are more pro the cabal. Klaus Schwab, NATO. NATO is corrupt as anything. NATO is just as evil as Russia. When you do genocide, pandemic genocide to your your people... They're just as bad. I mean, I I could read you every day these stories. 71-year-old Florida man that's from trial site. David LaFervs suffered from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, had just finished a chemotherapy treatment, was one of the first patients vaccinated for COVID-19 in January 2021. So he, he lined up for the shots. He did what he was told. Yet just two months later in March, he was hospitalized with COVID because the stupid thing didn't work. By the way, very interesting, just two months later. And this was the original strain. It was before Delta. His wife, Mindy, advocated for use of ivermectin. She already had COVID and you know recovered very well with ivermectin. Literally after the first dose, I felt so much better, she said. Yet the infectious disease physician attending to David told the family... That's not even approved for usage in the United States. And the hospital's official stance to follow their protocol, which included remdesivir. According to the daughter, the remdesivir had no effect. Just days later, David was sent to the ICU. He was restrained, restrained by nurses. Family then threatened the hospital that they would move the patient unless the hospital gave the gravely ill man um, ivermectin. As reported, the five-day course led to such an improvement that Mr. Lefevre's went home on March 20th. He went home, but unfortunately, a year later, 
a senior Lefevre degraded health condition led to his passing. What people don't realize is we're, we're nearing a million deaths. And I know a lot of us have been saying, oh, the deaths are overcounted. So let's put it at 800,000 because some people were just incidental. But then it's also undercounted in a way that what you don't realize is the long-term COVID deaths. A lot of the people that made it out of the ICU by hook or by crook, they have pulmonary fibrosis and God knows what other issues for life. And they're not going to, a lot of them won't live very long. So even in this case, it had a good, good, good story, but because they delayed and delayed and delayed, the fibrosis sets in. And of course, the war on, on doing this outpatient, as, we, as we've been talking about for a year and a half now. This was in Orlando, Orlando Hospital. This is in Florida. The amount of stories, the emails I'm getting, what it, to this day is taking place in our hospitals, literally Nazi death camps, that's what they've become. The spirit that has taken over the medical profession, our government, and even trickling down to the people. This, now, now we have a little bit better sense of where it's coming from. This coordinated social media, and it's now induced by government working with pharma, working with, with uh, big tech, global international organizations, global governments, to indulge a complete uninhibition, to create a new sense of right and wrong. You're either with us or you're against us on this new endeavor. If you're against us, you, you don't deserve to live. And Ukraine's the new, the new hotness. But I want to get to our guest today, a special guest, to tie this all together back into where this bio stuff came from that likely led to COVID and how it will likely happen again and how it all ties back into our governments obsessing about Ukraine. This segment is sponsored by Better Spectacles from Go Specs Lenses. They're made by Rodenstock, the gold standard uh, eyeglass company with over 500 patents. They use advanced algorithms with more than a million patients measuring 7,000 points in the eye. You get more energy, no next strain, the ability to help you see 40% better. That's why I see better, and that's why I have a better vision than ever because my wife and I are loving our Go Specs lenses. If you want, the same perfect lenses go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to schedule a teleoptical appointment you don't even have to leave your home and wear a mask at the stupid ophthalmologist office they're offering my audience an introductory 61 percent off their go specs lenses plus free handcrafted rodenstock frames just visit betterspectacles.com slash conservative go now so as I mentioned Friday, here we are two years into 15 days to flatten the curve, two years into this pandemic, and there is no effort or desire on the part of our political leadership to even investigate, ascertain, understand where this came from, who was responsible for it. Clearly, the virus is not natural. Then we have Ukraine, which is kind of like the fourth vaccine. It washed away COVID. COVID doesn't exist. No longer a problem. But we come full circle where the two issues merge. Because last week, we found out at a Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing 
Undersecretary of State of Political Affairs of Victoria Newland tells us, well, Ukraine actually has some biological research facilities that we need to secure. Oh, that's interesting. We kind of suspected we have a few dozen of these facilities around the world, but particularly in former Soviet Union satellite countries. What exactly is going on there? They seem to be pretty concerned about it. Now, they make this all about the Russians. Well, the Russians are going to get a hold of it. But put Russia aside. Put Putin aside for a moment. Put Ukraine aside. As Americans, as citizens of any country, shouldn't we all be concerned about this sort of research? Who's behind it? What is the nature of it? What sort of pathogens are they working with? And how do we know that the same thing that presumably happened in Wuhan will not happen in these labs, regardless of whether there's a war or not? Obviously, there's a heightened level of concern when you have a war going on. But when we had 9-11, we had planes that were hijacked. So we worked on airport security. Here, we had an event that killed millions of people, destroyed the world, basically, And we know it came from a gain-of-function research in a lab. Wouldn't we focus 100% of our attention on these labs? Why is there no concern? Well, with us today is a very important journalist. And I must say, one of the beautiful things that has come out from the events of the last few years is a number of us getting together internationally, people that cut across political ideologies, that just want to get to the truth, that are concerned that all of our governments are missing the truth, manipulating the truth. And our guest today, Diljana Gaitanziva, an independent journalist from Bulgaria, she has a website, armswatch.com. And here's the thing, before anyone was focused on this conflict, several years ago, she was already writing in great detail about our Defense Threat Reduction Agency, DTRA, funding 11 biolaboratories in Ukraine about outbreaks that were occurring, pathogenic outbreaks occurring in Ukraine. So I figured if she was onto this before we all were, I got to get her opinion on what's going on today. Dilyana, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is certainly a, a treat. I've, I've never spoken to a, a European jo- journalist, certainly from continental Europe. So uh, I always love to see other perspectives. Walk us through, generally speaking. I know you know we can't recreate years worth of research in ju- just a half an hour here. But in general, why do you think our government here in the U.S. is so concerned about these biolabs? This is a very legitimate question because if uh, these were just simple viruses, bacteria and toxins or research material used only for reference purposes for simple testing, then why are U.S. officials so worried that these uh, bio uh, research materials may fall into the Russian hands? I started uh, investigating Pentagon-funded biolaboratories in 25 countries across the world. In 2018, I learned from a local journalist uh, in Georgia that the Pentagon had uh, spent $171 million on a biolaboratory in Georgia's capital, Tbilisi. Georgia is... uh, 
country uh, which borders on Russia and uh, it borders on the Black Sea, which borders on Bulgaria. So for me, it was definitely of interest what this biolaboratory funded by the Pentagon was doing. And I went to Georgia, I filmed the documentary and it turned out that the Pentagon has deployed a special military unit called named the um, US Army Medical Research Unit Georgia USMRUG and its military scientists have been accorded diplomatic immunity to research deadly viruses, bacteria and toxins as well as antibiotic resistant bacteria in the country of Georgia. I started uh, researching further and it turned out that the Pentagon has funded by laboratories in many countries Many, country, many countries bordering on the U.S. main rivals, Russia, China, and Iran. The whole budget of this program was um, $2.5 billion. And here comes another legitimate question. Why did the Pentagon spend $2.5 billion on overseas biolabs on the health of foreign citizens instead of spending this U.S. taxpayers' money on the health of American citizens? This is a very legitimate question. I documented uh, a lot of, uh, even I will put it that way, dead cases related to activities in these biolaboratories, if you want me to explain further uh, during sure. our Sure. So so I guess what everyone's concerned about is I spoke on Friday and I used some of your research, but we found EcoHealth, Metabiota, um, Peter Daszak, all the same players that a lot of, um, you know, Americans that are concerned about COVID and its origin are now aware of. Uh, it's now clear that our government um, or EcoHealth Alliance, assuming they're independent of our government, but certainly worked very closely with our government, they were engaged in, in gain-of-function research. The NIH has even admitted this now. They're scapegoating eco-health, but, you know, it's clear the government had what to do with it as well. And now they're involved. We know they're involved with Ukraine as well. Um, we know what COVID is. We now understand SARS-CoV-2, right? We understand uh, what gain-of-function research is, how they use uh, furin cleavage of a spike protein to make it both more pathogenic and more transmissible. That's the core of gain-of-function research. Do we have any evidence that they're doing similar to what we think was done in Wuhan in some of these Ukrainian or Georgian labs? Uh, according to internal documents, uh, the Pentagon uh, has funded a lot of uh, research not only on coronaviruses, but also on bird flu or other pathogens uh, that are of pandemic potential. The problem is that um, according to a 2002 agreement between uh, the Pentagon and the Ukrainian Ministry of Health, this information is sensitive. The Ukrainian government is prohibited from public disclosure of this sensitive information and the Ukrainian side is obliged to transfer to the Pentagon 
deadly uh, pathogens. Uh, that is why it is uh, very curious why this information is uh, and this program includes sensitive information. What is this sensitive information? However, I um, published documents proving that the Pentagon uh, conducted biological experiments on local allied soldiers in Ukraine and Georgia. To be precise, 4,400 soldiers in Ukraine and 1,000 soldiers in Georgia. According to these documents, which originate from the program, it is written, and I'm quoting now the exact quotation, all volunteer deaths will be promptly reported. It is not clear what medical procedures were performed so that they could involve uh, lethal risk to the study participants, but it is written, all volunteer deaths will be promptly reported. This was a project on um, involving soldiers and um, bioagents. Uh, their blood was uh, collected and uh, it was tested for the presence of uh, antibodies against bioagents. Bioagents are deadly virus bacteria and toxins that uh, have a very high lethality rate. But we don't know exactly which pathogens they were experimenting with. We, we did know. According to the documents in Ukraine, they uh, tested uh, uh, the blood of the soldiers for the presence of antibodies against Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever virus and hunter viruses in Georgia. Uh, the pathogens involved in this research were 14 bioagents uh, such as anthrax, tularemia, brucella, again Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever virus, very deadly pathogens that were weaponized in the past before the Convention on the Prohibition of uh, Biological Weapons uh, was enforced. Do we know where these labs are? Are they in a particular part of Ukraine, the part closer to Russia, or they're all over the country? Uh, we do know. Thanks to information that was published in the past by the Ukrainian embassy in Kiev, when I started researching this uh, subject, I found uh, documents published uh, on the website of the, uh, Ukraine, of the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine showing uh, how much money uh, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, this is the agency part of the Pentagon in charge of this biological engagement program of the Pentagon, how much money it spent and where, on which uh, biolaboratories in Ukraine. So uh, according to these documents that are now uh, that now have now been removed from the website of the embassy, but uh, they are still accessible thanks to people who archive them uh, on the internet. And according to these documents, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency funded 11 biolaboratories in different cities across Ukraine. Um, many of them, yes, they do border on Russia in different cities that are very close to the Russian-Ukrainian border. And um, so this uh, information 
is not conspiracy theory. It uh, comes from uh, the U.S. government. Yeah, I mean, you obviously provide all the documents, and we've seen others have, have jumped on this, but you were really first in your 2019 uh, article. I've cited some of that, and it's it's obviously very, very thorough, thorough, very well done, so I encourage everyone to go to armswatch.com and scroll down, find that article. It should be there on the front page. Um, so, you know, y- you allege that there were a bunch of outbreaks, outbreaks over the last decade or so, in Ukraine. Um, is it your understanding that these were lab leaks or these were independent, likely caused by experiments on, I guess, humans, um, you know, kind of independent of the lab work? I can't say if this was an intentional release of uh, viruses or pathogens or it was due to something else, but it is definitely of interest if you uh, collect the statistics of the diseases uh, and you compare these diseases with the project that the Pentagon funded, there is a clear pattern. I, I can give some statistics here. Uh, to prove my claims now, but uh, the problem is, uh, and I will explain now in detail, the problem is that over the years, many experts in Ukraine and not only, they express their concern about these biolaboratories. And even in Ukraine, this is one article that I published today that is based on, again, on internal documents. Uh, it, turn, turns out, it turns out that uh, such independent experts who wanted to establish an independent public control group that uh, was supposed to supervise the project taking place in these Ukrainian biolaboratories, they were rejected access to these biolaboratories. The Ministry of uh, Health of Ukraine, on the contrary, gave full access to Pentagon contractors to operate freely inside these biolaboratories engaged in the Pentagon program, while rejected uh, and denied entry to these independent experts who wanted to monitor the activities of uh, uh, these biolaboratories. And according to leaked documents, uh, there is no explanation as to why Ukraine rejected such uh, uh, proposal that was made uh, by independent experts, but at the same time provided full access to its, uh, as they call it, our biolaboratories, to the Pentagon. Well, where is, uh, this is hypocrisy, this is double standard. Nobody knows what experiments were taking place in these biolaboratories because Ukraine rejected the proposal of um, experts, independent experts, to enter these facilities and to supervise uh, the activities uh, taking place inside. Who are the biggest players, uh, you know, non-governmental agencies involved and, and still involved to this day in these labs? Um, I'm assuming it's not just DOD directly, but typically they contract 
with other organizations. So who do you say are the biggest global players in these labs in Ukraine and, and some of the other countries around there? These are Pentagon contractors that uh, were awarded millions of dollars. Only in Ukraine, uh, according to documents uh, from this federal contracts registry, we are talking about more than one million dollars. Eighty million dollars, eight zero million dollars were given to the American company Black and Beach Special uh, uh, Pro uh, Projects Corporation uh, to implement the biological research in Ukraine in these biolaboratories, and $23 million were uh, given to another American company, again, Pentagon contractor, CHIL2M. Uh, <laughs> it is a abbreviation. Mm -hmm. If people want to, to familiarize themselves with the name of the company, the contract, they can read my new article. I provided documents about this. Uh, contracts, Pentagon contracts, but the main actors, these were uh, the, uh, the Pentagon uh, scientists and uh, their contractors. These were uh, actually the, the actors that uh, operated inside these uh, facilities and uh, they say we had nothing to do with uh, research in these facilities. We just funded them. This is not true. Um, even in Georgia, a special military unit um, has, uh, has been deployed there and uh, given diplomatic immunity and protection against uh, prosecution, legal protection against prosecution. Wow. I mean, th this seems to be a very long paper trail. It goes deep. It goes back many years. Um, so could you describe some of the outbreaks that, uh, you know, we've seen in Ukraine maybe the last 10 years or so? And why you think they're somewhat unusual? I mean, obviously you're you're in Bulgaria, so you're kind of in that area. Um, are you saying these outbreaks didn't occur elsewhere? About Ukraine, I will provide some statistics. Um, it is uh, important for people to have an idea what we are talking about. Um, one of the Pentagon laboratories uh, is located in Kharkov, uh, where in January 2016, at least 20 Ukrainian soldiers died from flu-like virus in just two days, with uh, 200 more being hospitalized. This happened in January 2016. The Ukrainian government did not provide, did not report on the dead Ukrainian soldiers in Kharkov. This is information that I have published and uh, verified. Uh, as of March 2016, the same year, 364 deaths have been reported across Ukraine, uh, more than 80% caused by swine flu. This is the same strain which caused the world pandemic in 2009. 2009, oh. right? So th this yes. is this is a long time after that in 2016. And was Ukraine the only place that experienced that outbreak in 2016? There is no information exactly what strain caused uh, this uh, great number of deaths, but it was uh, swine flu. Also, another interesting fact 
Police investigated infection with incurable disease in Ukraine. A highly suspicious hepatitis A infection spread rapidly in just a few months across uh, southeast Ukraine, where most of the Pentagon-funded biolabs uh, are located. Uh, there 37 people have been hospitalized for hepatitis A in the Ukrainian city of Mykolaiv as of January 2018. Local police had launched an investigation into infection with human immunodeficiency virus and other incurable disease. This even caused investigation into Ukraine because there was no explanation as to what caused this outbreak. Three years ago, more than 100 people in the same city became infected with cholera. Both diseases are alleged to have spread through contaminated drinking water, and that is why the police launched investigation into um, this um, outbreak and what caused this um, outbreak. In the summer of 2017, 60 people with hepatitis A, again, hepatitis A were admitted to hospital in the city of uh, Zaporozhye. The cause of this outbreak is still unknown. In Odessa, 18, uh, 19, sorry, 19 children from an orphanage were hospitalized again for hepatitis A in June 2017. 29 cases of hepatitis A again were reported in Kharkov in November 2017. The virus was uh, isolated in contaminated drinking water. One of the Pentagon-funded uh, bio labs is located exactly in Kharkov, which mm. was blamed for, um, uh, for the deadly flu outbreak uh, a year ago, which uh, claimed the lives of 364 Ukrainians. This is the statistic. Sure, and then there were botulism cases as well reported around that time in Ukraine. And and look, I, I think just to put it together for uh, our listeners here, in the past, I would have never thought anything of this. When you think of a virus, the first thing I think of is natural. I don't think about human beings manipulating it. But after everything we've gone through the last two years— um, and then we know they have these labs that do the si similar gain-of-function research with similar uh, NGOs that were involved with Wuhan and similar um, scientists. And then we know that our government seems to be extremely afraid of it. Um, and then you go back the last decade or so with these outbreaks. Well, that's something to look at already. That's very concerning. I know in the U.S. they would say, well, Ukraine's the poorest country in Europe. They're poor. They're unvaccinated. They're, you know, they're very into saying Ukrainians are unvaccinated. And that's why they have all these outbreaks. But I'm assuming you're not buying that. Um, I would just mention that uh, let's talk about the pandemic and the vaccines. I myself uh, got infected by a person who was fully vaccinated. Uh, vaccines, uh, it is very, uh, here we can argue and talk a lot about the vaccines. So this, this is not an explanation as to why so many outbreaks happened in Ukraine, because people were unvaccinated. Be vaccinated against what? Uh, the diseases that I mentioned, what is the vaccine against them? This is uh, not an explanation. You can't uh, vaccinate the whole population against, for instance, anthrax cholera, hepatitis A, exactly. or uh, swine flu-like uh, disease, or whatever outbreak uh, 
is taking place. In, in, in other words, in other, I, I think the swine flu is very compelling, your case, because certain things you could say come from a lack of sanitation, the, especially the bacterias. But swine flu is something that, you know, shouldn't matter uh, the circumstances, the environment in the country. And, and certainly, you know, we don't have a, a vaccine. In fact, they tried to make one. And uh, back then when they had problems, they actually took it off the market. Nowadays, when we have problems with it, they uh, mandate it. <laughs> so things have changed. So I think that's a very compelling case that, you know, it's hard to blame it on Ukraine just being an impoverished country. And um, I just wanted to go to the here and now, where we stand now. Do you have any sense of where these 11 labs are in terms of control? Do the Ukrainians still control them? Have the Russians gotten uh, hold of them? And do you have, you know, through your contacts, any information? Do, do, does, does the United States have special operators on the ground securing them? I have no information because um, I'm war correspondent. Now I, I couldn't go to Ukraine, but in general I have covered a lot of wars. And I know that if you are, uh, are not on the ground, you can't rely on any information coming from uh, both sides. So uh, yeah. I have no information. Uh, I mean, uh, the information that is coming, I can't independently verify it. But what is very important uh, is that uh, we are not talking just about uh, uh, possible link between uh, outbreaks, diseases uh, in different countries and these biolabs. We are talking about documents originating from this program, proving that uh, there were uh, experiments taking place in these uh, places. I can give an example, Georgia. Why are all talking about Ukraine? Because now Ukraine is uh, the in the headlines. But while all eyes are on Ukraine, in a neighboring Georgia, it is neighboring country for Russia, the Pentagon is freely operating and operating in a, 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 a very huge biolaboratory where an experimental treatment against hepatitis C took place uh, two years ago. And as a result of this experiment, 248 local people enrolled in the program died. According to the documents, uh, in the majority of these death cases, the cause of death is written as unknown. Uh, the pharmaceutical company involved was uh, is a very big American pharmaceutical company, Giant, that was involved in the development of treatment against COVID. So here we are talking about places, countries that are not only very uh, poor, but where the local population can be used for such human trials. Because in how many places around the world can uh, this uh, uh, can this uh, pharmaceutical giants freely test their medicines on the local populations? Of course, in countries where the local governments are corrupt yep. and they have signed agreements with the United States and these pharmaceutical giants, and this agreement indemnify these pharmaceutical giants and the Pentagon uh, um, contractors and scientists 
from uh, legal uh, from prosecution. This is written in all the agreements. I, pu I published all these agreements and they apply uh, to the Pentagon and its uh, personnel and these pharmaceutical giants. They are uh, indemnified. The local governments and the people that uh, could possibly suffer as a result of these projects cannot help these uh, uh, Pentagon personnel or pharmaceutical giants to account in case that they cause deaths or injuries to the local population. This is stated in the document that I've published. That is why uh, these programs uh, have taken place in such countries, because this cannot happen in the United States, can it? Well, I mean, it kind of happened now <laughs> the last two years in our own military, but I think you know, they used the pandemic. It was an unusual circumstance and they scared people and we're all kind of a trial now. But you're right. This has been going on in the past. Um, we're all familiar with what they've done in Africa uh, before the fall of the Soviet Union, where they didn't have access to countries like Ukraine and Georgia. They were doing this in Africa and they still are to this day. Uh, Dr. Fauci, um, you know, RFK Jr. has a great book out. He has an entire chapter on all of the escapades in the 1980s in the African countries. And it's the same dynamic. They get a guy like Zelensky, uh, you know, corrupt guy, um, very weak institutions. They offer them some money and then they set up shop and they create agreements and they can do whatever they want. And then and then in the American media and the American politicians, it's actually sold as you know, this is I can't tell you how many years I grew up like this, listening to the politicians talking about sending spending billions of dollars on helping Africans with AIDS. And it sounds really nice. So that's how they get everyone on board with it. And nobody knows what's going on there. Um, but now, you know, if we haven't learned our lessons from the last two years, shame on us. Um, what I found very fascinating with what you're saying is when this whole Ukrainian conflict broke out, I couldn't figure out what was going on because most people in America can't even find Ukraine on a map. They couldn't name you a single city. They never heard of Zelensky. And within 48 hours, they, they made it that all everyone cares about is Ukraine. Zelensky is the greatest thing alive. And to me, something didn't make sense. It just it, it was more than just a natural emotional response to a country being attacked and you know civilians being harmed. There was something more going on. And then they had these fake stories, the fake stories of heroism, where one after another they were, weren't true. And I knew there was something more going on. So do you think the obsession of the American government, other European Western governments around Zelensky is to protect some of these assets they put into place that almost served as their private playground over the years. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm sure that this is the case, but uh, I really hope that uh, these biolaboratories and all these activities, once they have been exposed, this will probably not stop them, but at least uh, will make them more transparent or more careful because even if it wasn't intentional, for instance, like with the coronavirus research to um, just if their purpose was to, although unknown purpose for me, I can't have an explanation, but sure. even if it was just for scientific purposes to uh, perform gain of function research so that they may dis 
coronavirus more transmissible and more pathogenic in order to study it, even if it was pure science, no bad intentions. Look at what happened. Look at what exactly, exactly. And and that's the thing I think what the message I'm trying to, to promote in, in our country is Obviously, in, in our country, people don't like Putin and people don't like China. So China and, and Russia are coming with accusations. Oh, you're engaging in biowarfare against us. And my point is, forget about that accusation. Forget about the war dynamic and the conflict with, with Russia. Just from a COVID standpoint, from the Wuhan standpoint, from what we already know, don't we want to understand where these labs are, not just in Ukraine and Georgia, but in Africa, elsewhere, what they're doing, who's behind it, and how do we know we're not going to have another outbreak for us, for the world? It's nothing to do with Ukraine, um, but they're all making it about it. I do want to get into one other aspect before I let you go of the Ukrainian conflict. Uh, it seems like for many years you've focused on the flow of arms. Um, one thing our government does very well is spend a ton of money on arms and weapons, um, infrastructure for warfare for all different sides of conflicts, often will fund multiple sides at the same time that fight each other. Um, we actually literally had, in, and I know you covered some of this in Syria, where DOD and CIA were battling each other. That one was funding Nusra, one was funding other uh, Syrian rebels. And it's, it's just ridiculous how this continues to go on. I thought we learned our lesson. Um, but our government just uh, funded $14 billion in aid for Ukraine. Some of it's humanitarian that will be spent in Poland, but a good amount of it are for arms and weapons. Now, I don't understand how we're going to even get those weapons to them, but based on everything you've researched the last number of years in the Middle East following the American flow of arms, what do you think is going to be the result of this arms transfer? Uh, the result will be exactly... Um the same as the result I witnessed myself in, on the ground in Syria. The more weapons all those countries who claim to uh, want peace, the more this conflict uh, will continue, the longer it will take for this uh, conflict to end and uh, for the peace to be uh, finally achieved. I don't see any logic. Uh, if you want Peace. If you want, uh, if you are against war, as they claim, why do you send uh, so many uh, weapons, uh, heavy weapons, uh, to this conflict uh, zone? Why is that? There are many explanations, but uh, in general, obviously, the European Union and the United States, they don't want peace. They want this war to be extended to continue as much and as long as possible so that uh, Russia and Ukraine will suffer more uh, damage as a result of this war and uh, Russia will be further demonized. Uh, people in Ukraine, they just don't matter for the United States and Europe because who are the main countries that were so much involved in the whole Ukrainian uh, scenario the united states and uk these are the two countries who said we will not accept ukrainian refugees but don't worry we will send you weapons where is the logic you are behind this whole crisis uh, I, i'm talking about uh, a long a long uh, events that happened a long ago not now 
uh, long ago, many years, that led to this situation now. So you you are responsible for this situation. At the same time, you say uh, we will not take uh, Ukrainian refugees. What is this? Then where is the uh, the humanity of of these governments? They send more weapons so that there will be more people killed. This is not aid. I can't uh, call it aid. When you send weapons, at the same time, you don't want to take the refugees to your country. What is this? Uh, this is uh, outrageous. And uh, honestly, it's it's a uh, it's frustrating for Marin too because you know we're we're obviously very patriotic here and. You know, we always want to support our government, but the last few years, the stuff that we've seen is is just truly unbelievable. Um, one of the things that they're trying to do here with the media is convince everyone. You have to understand that in America, everyone remembers Ronald Reagan, you know, President Reagan. They remember uh, the fight against the Soviet Union, and they're trying to give the impression that this is Putin's first step to reassembling the Soviet Union and that Ukraine is just the first domino to fall and and they must be stopped. But I want to get your perspective. You live in Bulgaria, so you would very much be affected by this a lot more than I would. What is the sense of the public in your country about this conflict? Are they concerned that, you know, one day Putin will be on their doorstep? No, absolutely no. Uh, what people don't know about Bulgaria, uh, Russia helped uh, Bulgaria liberate from uh, the Ottoman occupation or the Turkish occupation uh, in 1878. So uh, thousands of Russian soldiers died for our liberation. Every year on the 3rd of March, we celebrate our National Liberation Day and uh, we thank Russia for the sacrifice of Russian soldiers who died for our liberation. So uh, also Bulgaria gave uh, the Slavic alphabet to Russia. We gave them Christianity. We have very deep cultural, historical links. We are Slavic people. We are all Slavic people. And uh, due to this cultural and historical uh, link, between the two nations. Here, people in Bulgaria, they don't believe this uh, narrative that Russia will come and will occupy Bulgaria. Why to do that? Um, no, I think everybody who believes this uh, uh, claim uh, probably needs to stop watching TV channels to <laughs> calm down and just to find alternative sources of information because the same happened uh, with the pandemic. And I'm really fed up with uh, mainstream media spreading lies all the time so that people are kept in fear. This is how people can be controlled very easily. When you present to the people a constant threat, be it the pandemic, uh, the end of the world will come because Russia will invade, will... Uh, um, invade the whole of Europe and then there will be a third world war and we will all die. This is how mainstream media and the governments that control this mainstream media, they install fear in the population. And this is how they control them. And uh, I really recommend uh, all people who really want to know the truth, 
just to switch off their TV channels and uh, to be very careful uh, what they believe in social media because I myself saw, saw it in Syria. Journalists from the international TV channels, I saw how they worked. For instance, we would cover the same story. Journalists from different media outlets, international, local, and then when I read and watch their reports, they represent totally different uh, reality of what we all witnessed. So it is not uh, what is happening, it is what uh, TV channels are showing. There are two types of wars uh, happening on the battlefield and in the media. And probably the most important war is that is happening in the media because this is how uh, wars are or could be won. When you win uh, the media narrative, you win the war. This is how it is. Unfortunately, nowadays uh, it is very hard to find uh, the truth if you are just watching mainstream media. It is absolutely impossible. That what is happening in my country? Uh, people, they turn to Telegram or Telegram channels. This is an uh, application which sure. provides uh, different uh, sources of information because now uh, many media channels here in Bulgaria, they are blocked and not only in Bulgaria and Europe and they are not accessible. So we are supposed to watch only uh, the mainstream media channels and to follow them, which is not an option for the Bulgarian people because, uh, as I mentioned here, we have a different historical and cultural background from probably the Western people. And we know that uh, the reality is very different. We have uh, Bulgarians living in Ukraine. We have Bulgarians living in Donbass. This is the separatist area sure. that was bombarded, that uh, suffered a lot in the last eight years. Nobody is talking about that. People just think that uh, just one night Putin woke up and decided to invade Ukraine. Nobody knows that 14,000 people, among them many children, women, civilians, they died in the last eight years in Donbass being shelled by the Ukrainian army and the, the Ukrainian neo-Nazis. I watched videos published by the neo-Nazis themselves of uh, how they burn uh, people alive. Do you know about it? Of course not. I mean, we, we, we actually did have members of our Congress wrote letters about that, you know, expressing concern that we were funding these, uh, but now they're silent. <laughs> now somehow it, it disappeared. Absolutely. It's the same in Syria. Uh, all these so-called moderate rebels, they all of a sudden when they started to behead uh, American journalists and uh, uh, humanitarian workers, all of a sudden they, conf they confirmed and they actually admitted that they were funding terrorists <laughs> and that th those people represented as uh, fighters for democracy were actually terrorists. And the same in uh, Ukraine, these fighters for democracy turned out to be uh, new Nazis. But uh, nobody is talking about it because now uh, people need to uh, uh, to be on the side of 
the aggressor, which must be Russia. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that's, that, that's what they do. Do you want your grandmother to die of COVID? Do you want, this was with the Black Lives yeah. Matter with, uh, with George Floyd. Do you want knees on people's necks? Do you want to storm the cap? They find a catalyzing global event, focus on it in a vacuum. Don't look at where it's coming from and it's where it's headed and what they're trying to do with it. And they keep doing it and keep doing it. Um, fortunately, you know, a lot of people are onto it. it it's, it's been a, a pleasure speaking to you and, you know, recently other people internationally. I think um, as humans, we have so much more in common as citizens. Uh, the globalist movement always wants to break down sovereignty. But ironically, this is a true global movement going on places like Telegram, getting alternative information. And it's really the Western governments that are the problem. Uh, but the people are are very similar in many ways and just want what's best for themselves and their countries. And uh, unfortunately, there's an irremediable degree of corruption. And we're going to have to deal with that at home before we could, uh, you know, spread that light elsewhere. But really appreciate your uh, presentation today. Again, uh, your work could be caught at arms uh, armswatch.com. Where else could people find your work? On my personal website, Diliana.bg. Okay, Diliana.bg. So again, Diliana Gaitanziva, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Really looking forward to having you back. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Wow, so that was, uh, that was really interesting. Obviously, the first half of the discussion is, is universal. I mean, no matter what you think of Russia and Putin, independent of that, just from a COVID standpoint, what are we doing? And why is this not the biggest news story, uh, the need to audit all this so we don't have this again on the two-year anniversary? And then, you know, again, I mean, you know, somebody say, oh, you're a Russian stooge. Uh, you, you had someone on that, I mean, I, I don't know her views. I mean, she obviously seems to be, you know, maybe, you know, very much supportive of the Russians. And, but, you know, again, I, like anyone else, I have a deep ingrained mistrust of Russians and certainly the Russian government. But, what she was saying does reveal the fact that geopolitical controversies are more complicated than they appear. You know, when someone attacks us, I want to go full force and beat the heck out of them. Hence Mexico. That's really where we need to focus. Um, you know, as it relates to this, I mean, it is true that our government has been screwing around there, not just with the biolabs, but with everything for a long time. It is true that the eastern part is is Russian. And they have been persecuted. The, the neo-Nazi stuff is absolutely true. Um, you've, you've had Democrat congressmen raise concerns about that over the past decade and our funding for them. We've dumped in a bunch of money there. What were we doing and why? What was the purpose? So, you know, they'll show you an image of, 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 uh, of war. And it's like, you know, there's a before. Where did this come from and where is this headed? This is so much more complicated. Just like they, they showed a picture of someone on a ventilator. Do you want them to die? Therefore, this is what you must do. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did this come from? Where are you headed with with this agenda? And is this the best way of even dealing with that? And in fact, we learned that they killed the most people possible with that agenda from COVID and from the reaction to COVID. And it's a similar thing here, too. All you're going to do, meaning if you really believe you want to attack, you know, Russia's the start of Hitler you would have to assemble an allied force and, and go and fight him. But no one wants to do that. I mean, even Lindsey Graham said today he's not in favor of a no-fly zone. Okay, so what are you going to do? Virtue signal 
and send a bunch of money and arms. All that, they're not going to win. That's going to draw out a bloody battle. And, you know, what I do know, I agree with Dilyana no matter what, is everything we talked about for years in Syria and the Middle East and all this stuff. What are you, you know, what good did we do? We literally funded Al-Qaeda in Syria. You know, we said, look at Assad, the Russians, because Russia was backing Assad. Well, I don't like Assad, but I mean, what do you want? You want Al-Qaeda? You want ISIS? I mean, that was the whole thing. So, you know, Sunnis, Shias, back and forth. We backed the Sunnis there. We backed the, you know, the Sunnis against uh, um, the Shias in Yemen. All the stuff we're doing in Yemen. No one ever uh, demonstrated any any path to that. What are we doing in these places? It's like we've learned nothing. So this is very complex. The ethnicities, the different problems, the problems on the Ukrainian side, the problem with the government, problem with the neo-Nazis. I don't know. You know, do did I want Putin to invade? Of course not. But what from a, from a public policy standpoint, what are you going to do about it now that we poked him for so many years, but then didn't deter him? If you're going to poke him, you got to deter him. But we didn't. We were weak. We're strong and weak at the same time. NATO's corrupt. So what am I supposed to do about that? I want to worry about our border. I want to worry about millions of people who need treatment for COVID, for the vaccine injury. I want to prevent the bioterrorism from going on. As far as the Ukrainian people, what do you want me to do after we put them on a head, you know, head-to-head collision with the Russians for so long? We juiced that up. And now all you're going to do is get more people killed. Eastern Ukraine is, is, and, and Crimea are, are gone anyway. There's no way they're ever going to join NATO anyway. Just give in to those demands. Well, he's saying Zelensky needs to step down. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Zelensky's corrupt as anything. So again, I mean, this is a global movement for good, I would say, on the ground. Look, I don't know what her views are on everything. I have no clue. She, I, I see she did very well research stuff on, on American Biolabs, has the documents for everything to prove it. I don't know if, I, if I'm going to agree with her on every last view she has on every last issue. I don't know. But she clearly is very thorough and has done a good job in Syria and now in Ukraine and was talking about this and was dead on several years ago. So I said, you know, I think Americans need to hear her perspective. You know, they always accuse conservatives of having a closed mind, but I think we're the ones that are ultimately the biggest tent. We just want the truth. And that's what this is all about. We're we're way over time here. Uh, unfortunately, I will be out tomorrow, so we'll be back Friday. But again, you know, we're going to learn more every day. We're going to have the best guests on that we could find for a given issue. We are not out of the woods, even from the initial genocide, democide that took place March 16, 2020, much less on our way to preventing it in the future. That is our mission. That is our purpose. I will not rest until we both bring justice and also deter any biomedical fascism from ever taking place ever again. Till Friday, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.